0: Most of the time when we get sick, we expect to suffer through it and end up with immunity to that disease, or at least the knowledge that we won't be hit so hard if we get it a second time. A bout with the mosquito-borne dengue virus, also known as breakbone fever, is very different. It can actually increase the chance that a second encounter with the virus will end with a hemorrhagic fever. Hello, and welcome to Tiny Vampires, a podcast about disease, science, and blood-sucking insects. A member of the Agora Podcast Network, I'm Raven Forrest Riscalzo, your host. This is episode 41, so much worse the second time around. This episode's question is, is getting dengue twice a death sentence? This fear comes from a very strange phenomenon that getting the virus more than once increases your chance of having such a severe reaction to the virus that you can die from it. We can all understand that through the process of this information getting passed from one person to another, the nuance gets trimmed away leaving the certain death misconception behind. To be honest, even what I just said about the increased chance of a severe reaction is an oversimplification, but we'll clear that up as we go. To understand why having one run-in with dengue can make the next run-in worse, let's learn more about the virus and the disease that it causes. The mosquitoes that transmit dengue are two incredibly successful species, Aedes aegypti and Aedes albopictus. They are really good at taking advantage of human-made habitats, so they have spread to nearly every place where there are people and warm weather. Dengue infections are commonplace in more than 100 countries, meaning that 40% of the world's population is at risk of the disease. Most dengue cases are in children under the age of 15. One really important thing is that dengue isn't one virus, it's four. Each of these four viruses are similar enough to each other that they cause the same disease and thus have the same name, dengue. But the proteins on the outside of the four flavors of dengue are different from each other, changing how our immune system reacts to them ever so slightly. When a virus comes in a range of flavors like this, we call them serotypes. Regardless of serotype, only one in four people who are bitten by an infected mosquito end up with any symptoms. When symptoms do show up, you are said to have dengue virus disease, which is associated with fever, eye, bone, and joint pain. In a CNN article, Jeanette Potter described her bout with dengue virus disease like this. My head hurts so bad I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. It hurt to move my eyes. I was getting to the point where I couldn't function mentally. I was in a fog. I was down and out in my bed for eight days straight. Your bones just hurt. That's why it's called breakbone disease. It's indescribable. I can't even articulate the crazy pain you're in you feel like you're heavy and out of your body. Of the people who develop dengue virus disease, one in 20 of them get even worse and advance on to what's called severe dengue, a hemorrhagic fever, where the virus does significant damage to the small blood vessels all over your body. The vessels just under your skin rupture, causing a speckled rash, places with thinner skin like your eyes, gums, and nose start to bleed. As those same blood vessels rupture inside of your body, your doctors begin to find blood in your vomit, feces, and urine. The fluid moves out of your circulatory system and pools around your lungs and inside your body cavity causing a serious drop in blood pressure, which in turn causes irreversible shock and death. There's no gentle way to say this. Dengue virus is a horrific disease. We've known for a while that getting one dengue serotype increases your risk of developing severe dengue if you're exposed to a different serotype. Like, if you get dengue 3 and are later bit by a mosquito carrying dengue 4, then you're in much more danger than if you were bit by a mosquito carrying dengue 3 again. But we weren't sure why this was until 2017, when Dr. Leah Katzelnik and her co-workers published their paper antibody-dependent enhancement of severe dengue disease in humans. Katselnik, along with her colleagues from around the U.S., teamed up with public health researchers in Nicaragua to study the transmission of dengue in the children of their capital city of Managua. The parents of more than 8,000 children between the ages of 2 and 14 signed them up for the study. A small amount of blood was taken from each child to see if they had ever had dengue before. Sadly, more than 6,000 of them had. For the next 12 years, every time one of these kids had a fever, they would draw blood to see if it was dengue or not. If it was, and they were showing signs of the disease progressing, the child would be admitted to the study hospital for care. By having access to the children's blood samples before, during, and after their bouts with dengue, the researchers could see how their immune systems were interacting with the virus. Specifically, what they wanted to know was— If the concentration of anti-Dengue antibodies affected the amount of damage the virus did to the children's bodies. Every time our bodies encounter a virus, our immune system creates specific antibodies to neutralize that virus. Over time, if we don't get infected with that virus again, the concentration of those antibodies decreases. Katzelnik and her fellow investigators wanted to see if there was a connection between the number of dengue-specific antibodies in a child's blood and how hard that child was hit by the disease. To put a number to the antibody concentration in each child's blood sample, they used a tool called a competitive ELISA. If you just sang... Eliza, in your head, you aren't the only one. Anyway, a competitive Eliza starts off with a small plastic plate with divots in it. The bottom of the divots are covered in dengue proteins, the same proteins that our immune systems react to inside of our bodies. And here's where the competitive part comes in. A measured amount of the patient's serum, the part of the blood that contains antibodies, is added to the plate. At the same time, a measured amount of lab-made antibodies that stick to dengue are also added. These lab-made antibodies are special because they have a little enzyme stuck to them. When that enzyme interacts with a colorless liquid, it turns the liquid from clear to blue. Both the patient's antibodies and these lab-made antibodies are trying to attach to the dengue proteins stuck to the bottom of the plate. Which one wins depends on which type there are more of the plate is then washed to get rid of any antibodies that didn't stick to those dengue proteins. When the colorless liquid is added, the intensity of that color change tells you how many lab-made antibodies stuck to the plate. If the blue is really intense, then the lab-made antibodies stuck to every available dengue protein. It didn't have any competition from the antibodies from the patient. So that means that the patient must never have had dengue before. If there's almost no blue, almost every dengue protein was taken up by one of the patient's antibodies. So the concentration of dengue-neutralizing antibodies in the patient, must be very high. They completely outcompeted the lab made antibodies. So let's say the blue color intensity is halfway between these two. Then, the dengue proteins on the bottom of the plate had just as much of a chance of being stuck to by a lab made antibody as the patient's antibody. So, their concentrations must be equal. As the number of dengue-neutralizing antibodies in the patient's serum goes up, the color intensity of the blue goes down. So depending on the number of antibodies in the patient's serum, the color of the divot can range from super vibrant blue to nearly clear with everything in between. If you have ever argued with someone over whether a shirt was red or orange, or if a dress is blue and black or white and gold, you might see a problem with people making scientific claims based on the intensity of a color. Thankfully, there's machines for that. A machine can use a light sensor to see the subtle differences between a divot that is 20% clear and a divot that is 15% clear, allowing for a very accurate antibody count. With this information in hand for thousands of children over 12 years, Katzelnik could compare a child's antibody concentrations to their medical records. What they found was a much more complex story than the common conception that the second time you get dengue, it's fatal. The children who had high levels of dengue-neutralizing antibodies had the same low chance of getting a case of severe dengue as children who had never had dengue before. So a child who recently suffered from a bout of dengue, whose immune response was still ramped up, would not be at an increased risk. The cases of severe dengue started to show up when they looked at groups of kids who had only a medium concentration of antibodies in their blood. Their chance was seven and a half times greater than if they had never had dengue before. Just like the kids who had high antibody counts, these kids had dengue before, but it had been a while, so their bodies let their guard down. Their antibody levels dropped from a high level to a medium one, and when that fateful mosquito bit, there weren't enough to neutralize the virus. But there were enough to attach to the viruses. This dengue virus-antibody combo infects immune cells more easily, setting off a chain reaction that ends in hemorrhaging blood vessels. This idea of antibodies actually helping a virus instead of stopping it, is called antibody-dependent enhancement because the ramping up of the infection is dependent on antibodies already inside the patient from a previous infection. The final group of kids are the ones who had low antibody concentrations. They were not at greater risk for developing on to severe dengue. This result gives credence to the antibody-dependent enhancement idea. With few antibodies around to help the virus out, there's no more infective boost. So, what the investigators discovered was that kids who were never infected before Rarely had a case of severe dengue because they were never exposed to the virus, so they didn't have any antibodies to give the virus that deadly boost. The kids who recently recovered from a run in with dengue were protected by their high levels of leftover antibodies, which maintained their neutralizing capabilities by sheer numbers. Children who were infected with dengue but then had years for their antibody levels to wane saw their risk of severe dengue infection multiplied when those antibodies enhanced the virus's ability to infect their cells. The children who had even more time between infections, allowing their antibodies to drop to low levels, went back to being low-risk. This breakthrough was funded by the U.S. government via the NIH and was approved by the Nicaraguan Ministry of Health. Right now, there's no treatment for dengue, just supportive care. The monitoring of these Nicaraguan children as they weathered the dengue outbreaks in their city Gave us a huge insight into why some people have a fever and are fine after a few days, while others suffer and die. That insight into who is most at risk informs very important decisions, like who gets access to vaccines. There is a dengue vaccine, but it's only available to people who have had a dengue infection before. This is because the vaccine can boost someone from that dangerous medium antibody level back up to the neutralizing range. But for someone who had never had a run-in with dengue, the vaccine runs the risk of putting them into that medium antibody range and thus putting them at greater risk than they would have been without the vaccine. As you can see, this puts the vaccine in the position to do a world of good for a not insignificant chunk of the world's population who have already been exposed to the virus. But Unregulated, it could also do a lot of harm. As of right now, the answer to this complication is an application process, where blood draws prove that you have existing dengue neutralizing antibodies. This way, doctors can be sure that they only give the shot to people who can be helped by it. And None to the people that the vaccine could potentially hurt. Just earlier this month, Katzelnik and her colleagues added even more vital information to our understanding of dengue. Knowing that dengue and Zika are very closely related, she went back and retested all of those samples from these Nicaraguan children but this time looking to see if an infection with Zika could cause this antibody-dependent enhancement in future dengue infections. The result was unsettling. A past infection with Zika does seem to increase the chances of a severe bout with dengue if it's contracted later. And because there's Zika vaccines in development, This new information is going to have to be accounted for on the vaccine front, too. Next month, we're going to be doing something special. I think we could all use something fun in our lives right now. So we are going to be putting out a series of Halloween episodes, For the past few years, I've been putting together some really creepy stories uh, for the Agora Podcast Network's feed for their yearly event called Agoraphobia. I'm going to be posting those past Agoraphobia stories here, but if you want to hear the new stories from all of the Agora Podcasters, then you can check out the network's feed, which you can find by punching in Agora Podcast Network into your podcast player. There will be a new set of spooky stories up every week in October. Thank you to Title Card Music and Sound for our intro and outro music. Until next time, tell your sister's husband that things are often more complicated than they seem, and the truest mark of intelligence... Is the ability to grasp nuance. Hold up.